0: Welcome this morning. Before we get started, I want to cover something really important because, you know, we broadcast uh, regularly to uh, all over the world, obviously our live stream, but our little church, man, we have regular visitors in China. We have regular visitors every week, Um, at least six or seven different people in Canada every week that are always constantly texting us during the stream. we got I think I told you before, we got our group of nurses at TG and Good Sam that watch on their lunch break every week and are texting us. And we've got a special person watching us this morning, and we want to acknowledge him. So would you give a shout-out for today for Pastor Randy, who's recouping from home for his surgery. We see you, brother. We love you. This is him at the hospital. That was his little goodbye gift to his nurses. You know Pastor Randy's nurses are never, ever going to forget him. I can promise you that. And I want you to know that Kathy's never, ever going to forgive him. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, he's doing awesome. We love you, man. We're going to pray for you right now. Lord, I just ask you to keep, continue to bless Pastor Randy with health and healing. Uh, Lord, I'm so thankful for the journey that he's on. Um, we're going to be talking about spiritual fathers today, Lord, and he is one of mine. So keep him safe in your arms. We love you, brother. Amen. Can I tell you something? He, <laughs> the brother has surgery. Um, on Thursday, four and a half hour, five hour surgery Thursdays, went in about, well, he had to check in at 10, surgery didn't end up starting until 3, uh, three almost 3.30, he, he wasn't out of surgery until almost seven thirty, eight 8 o'clock-ish. Um, Friday, you know, he spent the one night in the hospital, Friday, we're a little hot up here, Kelly. Friday, um, went home, got home probably about 7 or 7.30 Friday night, and by Saturday around one or two, he had already walked over a mile. He's just out trooping along. He's got Bella by his side, his little golden lab. And, uh, and they're just recovering together. And uh, so we just want to continue to pray for him. And Lord, please pray for Kathy. Can you imagine that patient? <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm at. Hey, we're walking through finding Jesus in the Ten Commandments. Finding Jesus in the Ten Commandments. How about Pete Wilmot and Laura Ranau? huh? Oh, my goodness. I offered Jeremy 120 bucks to switch with me. I didn't want to follow Laura, but apparently he didn't either. So, um, so here I am. I got, the, I got the tough duty following some powerful stuff with Pete and Laura. It's been powerful, and of course we're all excited that Pastor Dan is doing so well on his sabbatical. You know, it's important that when Pastor Dan returns from sabbatical in September that he really hits the ground running. We're, we did everything we could to prepare the church, the staff, you and he for his sabbatical. But we want to do everything we can to prepare him for coming home. So the doors are open, the the sleds are greased, and he's ready to hit the ground running. So we're already working on his schedule and his calendar. And since we're working through God's top 10, I thought I would show you the top 10 meeting requests on Pastor Dan's calendar for when he gets back. These are the top 10 meeting requests. Number 10. He's got a meeting two weeks from Saturday to plan the food and catering for the fasting conference. That's important. We can't forget food and <laughs> catering. Number nine, uh, we want him to make sure he gets to next Thursday's Church League softball game. Come watch us kill Christ the King. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number eight, he'll be visiting Mrs. Johnson up at Good Samaritan Hospital. After trouble sleeping for weeks, uh, his online sermons are really to helping her. Really? Really, we're even worried about him when he's on sabbatical. He's not sitting right. It's not going to offend him, I promise, okay? <laughs> Number seven, Friday night, he's officiating that, you know, we're just going to live together forever because we're just like really in love ceremony for the new couple at the youth group. Um, he's going to love doing that. He believes in that so much. Number six, Tuesday night, uh, he gets to visit the weekly rehearsal for the new Life spring drill and flag team. They've really been livening up worship lately if you know how much Pastor Dan loves flags in worship. (laughs) Number five, Wednesday afternoon, he's got a counseling appointment with the Joneses, because after Pastor Wayne encouraged Mr. Jones to follow Pastor Dan's example, Mr. Jones took a sabbatical from his marriage. That's not what we were looking for when I said follow Pastor Dan's example. (laughs) Number four, Monday night at 7 o'clock, he's got to open the church for the low self-esteem group. Please make sure they use the back door. Uh, number three is actually not going to be a problem anymore because the Peacemakers meeting was scheduled for that day. It got canceled due to conflict. <laughs> <coughs> got to let that one settle. It's it's early, Ernie. It's early, brother. <laughs> number two, he's got a meeting with the local Starbucks manager. You see, we had staff meeting there last week, and when Braden was ordering his Vente Grande tea Hibiscus Skinny Extra Whip Double Sleeve something, I don't know what it was. Jesse thought he was speaking in tongues. Jeremy shouting out an interpretation. And the lady at the drive-thru was overcome in the spirit. She fell out the window. Debbie took pictures of it, posted it on Facebook. The manager's all upset about it. And the number one thing on his calendar when he gets back, next week after service, he's got a meeting with the church council to discuss Jimmy's new tithing campaign. I up my pledge, up yours. Okay, let's pray. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for this morning. God, we do continue to lift up our pastor. Rest and refreshing. Rest and refreshing. renew. We thank you for safety, for mercy safety, for travel safety, for him and Mary and the girls on their trip. Thank you that Mary and the girls are back refreshed and renewed, and we ask for continuing to do that with Pastor Dan. This week, Lord, I'm specifically asking for creativity. Lord, I know this week he's spending time wanting to rejuvenate those creative juices that he finds in you, and would you give him a dose of that? Continue to protect our pastor. We love him so much. And Lord, this morning, as we enter into your word, would you help us find your son in your commandments? In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Hey, we are in Exodus 20 this morning, of course, continuing our message, finding Jesus in the Ten Commandments. And of course, the first commandment was, have no other gods before me, right? Right, Pete, you did a good job. They still remember. Way to go, brother. Second commandment. You should not make idols, right, or worship other things, graven images. The third one, you should not misuse the name of the Lord, your God, or take the Lord's name in vain. The name of God is powerful, as Laura reminded us. Amen? Number four was remember the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. We need to find our rest in Jesus. And today we are looking at the fifth commandment. And this is really interesting to me. You know, in the Gospels, when people ask Jesus, What was the greatest commandment in his teachings? He said in the three synoptic gospels, he said, The first is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And you'll notice in these first four commandments, they are all about loving the Lord and how we are to love the Lord. But this fifth commandment is where we turn. We pivot here. God kind of pivots. And these next six commandments are really about that second greatest commandment. How we love our neighbor. How we are to love our neighbor. And I love this about Scripture. God utilizes this great teaching method here. He sums up all of the Christian message in two overarching themes, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he gives us the practical instruction on those two bullet points by providing the Ten Commandments, breaking it out for us. And what's amazing is throughout Exodus, even a little bit of Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, there's more than 50 scriptures that give us the detail on how we're supposed to even live out these 10 things. God is so good to us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think it's all because he knew I was going to be so hard-headed it would take me that much to finally get it. Exodus 20:12. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. By the way, you'll notice this is not only the first commandment where we focus on loving our neighbor, but it's also the first one that comes with a promise or a reason, as it were. So that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You see, God has a promise that's unique for you and a destiny for you. And I want you to get this. I know you've heard before, honor your father and mother. Check the box. Got that, right? But listen to me, I love you, and as your pastor, I want you to walk in the fullness of the land the Lord your God has promised you, you, Scott, you, Ryan, you, Ernie, the Lord, the land the Lord your God has promised you, Catherine, and you, Joy. And so I want to tell you this morning that a key to that, walking in its fullness, getting All of what God has for you there is honoring our fathers and our mothers. See, unity and community is part of God's DNA. He is Father, He is Son, and He is Holy Spirit, a triune God. Therefore, unity and community is part of our DNA, and it's why the family unit is the basis of a strong society. And God recognizes that here by saying, if you get this down, if you figure this one out, then you can live long together in the land that your God is given you. Is it any wonder why there is such an attack on the family in society today? It's a godly part of our spiritual heritage, our makeup. And because it is, it's an area that will forever be under attack by the enemy. I don't know about you, but I have found in my life those who are closest to me are the ones I am most vulnerable with. They know my buttons. My buttons are easily accessible and pushed harder by those that I need their respect, I need their love. I am, I am designed to want connection with my wife and my kids at a very, very deep level. And because of that, that is the relationship that is the most vulnerable for me. It's the one that's quickest to anger. It's the one that's deepest to love. It's the one where the emotions are the most raw all of the time. And it's the one where I've achieved my greatest successes. It's the one in which I find my greatest joys. And it is also the relationships that are most often attacked. It is how we are wired. Do me a favor this morning. Close your eyes for a second. And I want you to picture for a moment your mother. The color of her hair. The smell of her perfume. The sound of her voice. Maybe her laughter. I want you to picture your father for a moment, if you will. The look in his eyes, the touch of his hand, the smell of his cologne, the sound of his voice. Put yourself in that room or that house or that driveway or that field or wherever it is that is most recognizable for you. Smell it. Feel it. Touch it. Now open your eyes. You see in this room right now, is a myriad of emotions. I feel it even as I was speaking. Some of us are filled with love, happy memories. Some of us are filled with indifference. Some of us are suddenly just confused. Even in our hearts right now, there's just confusion even walking through that picture. Many of us have conjured up feelings of bitterness, regret, anger, Hurt, a few of us are gripped with fear and pain and hard memories that we've spent a lifetime trying to suppress. And this is my dilemma as one of your pastors bringing this commandment to you today. See, I think all of us can walk in here because we've walked in here and say, yes, we want to follow the Lord our God, with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength, that's why we're here. But the minute the pastor says, okay, here's some practical application Honor your father and your mother. This is what happens, this cloud of joy, pain, abuse, love. And the Holy Spirit wants to envelop all of it this morning for all of us. We have one of the two greatest guiding principles in Christianity, love thy neighbor, being reinforced by the fifth of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. And it's being offered with a promise or a guarantee that your ability to live long in the purpose that God has for you is tied to your ability to do this. And yet for many of us, it's a gift that seems to be wrapped in barbed wire paper. It's hard to reach back and touch at times. It's been difficult for us to get our hands around this one. So as a church, I believe I have a word from the Lord for us this morning. Stick with me for a few minutes. But before that, as individuals, I want to quickly walk us through what God is and what he's not asking of us here. So what does honor mean? You know, the Hebrew word for honor is kavod, kavod. And it's a nod or a reference to respect. It shares the same root word ka and the meaning kaved, which is heavy or weighted. In other words, honor means treating one's parents in this particular situation with the gravity or the weight that their position demands as parents. It speaks very highly to that feeling of weight and reverence. And one of the examples that um, that just shows sort of the, the genius, if you will, of the Torah Hebrew is the opposite of honor is kadeh. And it's a word that, is always translated as to curse most of the time in scripture, but it's literally meaning to make light of. The Hebrew word kal is light. So one curses one's parents, not only if one directs curses at them, but if they make light of them or take lightly their position. But if one treats their position with honor and respect, we treat it with the gravity that it demands. So what position are we talking about? Well, first is simply this. Whether they were great parents or the worst of parents, they are still sons and daughters of a king. Flawed, maybe hurting, maybe maybe not, maybe mature in the Lord and walking straight and true, but still sons and daughters of the king. And regardless if they ever acknowledged him as their Lord or ever acted like it, he loves them and he calls them His own. And this is true of all of our neighbors. I said earlier that this first commandment that pivots and helps us to focus on loving our neighbors. And it's interesting that which neighbors is it talking about? Well, it starts at the most vulnerable neighbor, the ones that are closest to us right in our own home, our own family. If the moral fabric of our society and our very life is going to break down somewhere, it's going to be within our own homes. It is those closest of relationships. It is this as if God is saying, if you can do this at home with those closest to you, those able to hurt you the most, those with whom you can do this, then you can do it anybody, anywhere. You can love your neighbor. You can forgive regardless of how they're acting or how they're acting towards you. Learning to love your neighbor starts with learning to honor your parents. So how do we do this? Well, I believe some of this looks different on the different seasons of our life, right? We have different seasons in our relationship with our parents, and many of you are in different seasons of your relationship with your parents. First is sort of the child to parent season, the one we start in, right? And we honor them simply by being children that are obedient, by obeying. Ephesians 6 1 says, Children, obey your parents. It's the right thing to do because God has placed them in authority over you. And one of the things we need to learn early in life is there a difference between person and position, a difference between person and position. God speaks to and ordains authority in a lot of places, in really basically three different realms, the home, the church, and in government. And while each of those has different roles and spheres of influence, they can all serve to teach us at a young age that even if the person in authority is a jerk, right, we honor the position by obeying. And if a child doesn't learn this early, you can relate that they would struggle when they meet a coach. Or a teacher, or at some point in their life, a boss that they don't like. But they still got to do what they're told, right? There's a basic weight and position. I can tell you this. There are a lot of presidents that I have not voted for and do not agree with. But if they walked in the room right now, I would treat the office with some respect and dignity. Okay? I would just treat it with some dignity. It carries some weight to it. And as hard as this is for some of us to hear this morning, I want to say this. Your parents might have been abusive. But their position commands some demands some respect from us. And I promise you, and we're going to look at a couple of scriptures later, Jesus will deal with the abuse. God will handle it. We don't have to carry that. We don't have to carry that. Secondly is the season that we walk into is the sort of teen season to parent season, right? Where we become later on in our teens and even in our young adult years and we honor and respect them by listening to them. Leviticus nineteen one and 2 says that the Lord also told Moses to tell the people of Israel, you must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy and you must respect your mothers and your fathers. Now respect does not mean that you don't see their weaknesses. Every parent is flawed, not one perfect amongst us. In fact, by the time you get to be a teenager, you can see your parents' flaws. In fact, at certain men certain age within that teenage years, that's all you see are your parents' flaws. Right? Okay, by the way, this is a good sermon where you keep the elbows in to hold your notes and not out nudging your kids in your mom and dad. Okay? Keep them in. Proverbs 13.1 tells us intelligent children listen to their parents and foolish children do their own thing. Now, listening to them does not mean that you're bound to heed their advice any longer at this age. As older teens and on into our adult years, we're beginning to assert our independence, our taste of freedom. But still, we are to respectfully listen to our parents. I was listening to Rick Warren, a pastor of Saddleback Church one time. And Rick, by the way, for years was a marriage and family therapist. Pastor Rick was. And he said it amazed him how many times people would walk into his office absolutely messes. Just the worst of parents making an absolute destroyed mess of their own personal lives. But when they spoke about their kids, there were such nuggets of wisdom. He would think to himself, if you could only listen to 5% of your own wisdom, your life would be so much better. So I want to say this to you, teens and young adults. Your parents are flawed, but that doesn't mean that a broken clock isn't right twice a day. Okay? There are still nuggets of wisdom for you to be there, for you to have. Proverbs twenty three twenty two says, Listen to your father's advice and don't despise an old mother's experience. God gave you your parents for a purpose. Some of us are like going, yes and amen in our spirit. We know it. And some of us are going, I never want to hear those words again, Pastor Wayne. You have no idea what my parents did. And I want to say you're right. But Jesus does. And he's the one who said this. God put this in here, not me. So let's walk through it. God gave your parents, you, your parents for a purpose. He has an intended purpose for you to be uniquely you. Uniquely you with your giftings, your destinies, your purpose. By gaining something unique from your even flawed parents. Proverbs 6, 20-23 says, Young men, obey your father and your mother. Take to heart all of their advice. Keep in mind everything that they tell you. Every day and all night long, their counsel will lead you and save you from harm. When you wake up in the morning, let your instruction, let their instructions guide you into the new day. For their advice, advice is a beam of light directed into the dark corners of your mind to warn you of danger and give you a good life. Lastly, there's this third season where our focus shifts, and now we have this adult-to-adult relationship with our parents. And during this season, we honor them by appreciating them and by being a source of joy to them. I love Proverbs twenty-three, twenty-two. Actually, in the uh, English version, today's English version says, "When your mother is aged, show her your appreciation." I love that version. When your mother is aged, show her your appreciation. Listen to me, parenting is the most demanding, all-consuming, and costly thing that we could ever do. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, monetarily. Do you know how much simpler and easy your parents' life would be had not been for you? <laughs> now, I love my mother, and I love my father. I had a chance this morning, even with Pastor Dan, to talk about recounting how my father passed away about 10 years ago. I miss them so much. Missed them so much, my parents. Recently, my focus has been on my stepdad. He's been consuming my thoughts. He's a good man. Already carrying his own baggage and a lifetime of his own woes and two of his own kids, he chose my mother and my sister and me. He worked his whole life to provide for me. He took me in when I was seven. I became his son when I was nine. And to this day, he is worried about me all the time. He is taking joy in me all the time. He loves to see his grandkids and his great-grandson. Every time I talk to him, you tell the family I love them. You tell Cindy and the kids I love them. I personally am convinced that I'm responsible for every gray hair in his beard and gray hair on his head. I crashed every vehicle he ever owned. There is no doubt in my mind that I cost him over $500,000 just raising me. I, prom- I mean, I sat, literally sat down and tried to sort of just ballpark it. And there's no doubt in my mind it was well over $500,000. When he didn't belong to the church, he still supported my mission trips. He didn't just buy me my first car. He built me my first car, a 57 Chevy. He bought me my first guitar when he didn't know a thing about music. When I started talking about going to Bible college, he didn't quite understand that path for my life. But he paid for it. He's a good man. And I'm appreciative. And I'm thankful. And I'm sad to tell you that I don't tell him that enough. I just don't tell him enough. Proverbs 23, says, May your father and your mother have joy. May she who bore you rejoice. And I tell you this, one of the things that's convicting for me is because I can speak from experience on this one. Cindy and I, our greatest joy has always been found in our kids. We have four amazing kids. We have two amazing daughters-in-law. We have an amazing grandson. From the time that we were 15 years old, we started sharing our dreams for our children with one another. One time in the middle of breaking up in an argument. We were, I think, 17 at the time. We were at this park, and I was playing stupid teenage games. And uh, I knew she was breaking up with me, so I got really mad, and I said, "Uh, yeah, um, maybe someday we can bring our kids here. Thinking she'd mean our kids. And she said, well, maybe. And I said, yeah, and we'll introduce them to each other. And I got in the car, and I drove off. (laughs) What a jerk, right? What was amazing was... Probably about 15 years ago, we took our kids to that park together. We have amazing kids. We've been dreaming about our kids since we were 15. There has never been a place that we've traveled that we haven't thought what it would be like to experience it with our kids. There's never been a penny that we've spent that we haven't thought what we could buy or how we could use this to bless our kids instead of ourselves. Every mistake we've made in life, we've been more concerned with how it affects our kids than how it affects us. Somebody recently asked me if I had any unfulfilled musical dreams. As an artist, I had a chance to do a few things back in the day. I had my 15 minutes. And they were asking me, is there any place that I've not played, any venue that I've not played that I really wanted to? Is there been any artist that I've not played with that's sort of at the top of my list, this person I want to sing with? Is there a song in me that I haven't written yet? And while those things might be true... I realize that having had my own TV specials and having played at massive festivals and recorded albums internationally, my greatest joy to this day remains sitting up here or on the back porch at home playing music with my kids. I can't get enough of it. It's the only place I ever want to be. Our kids bring us joy. They are our greatest joy. Joy. Do you honor your parents by appreciating and bringing great joy to them? Are you spending time with them, calling them, caring for them? In every other culture in the world, the eldest people are the most highly valued. They are respected. They are even revered. They are well cared for. They are treasured. They are esteemed for their experience and their knowledge and their wisdom. Only in the Western society do we put the greatest emphasis on the youngest people. Something else happens as we enter these later stages of the adult-to-adult relationship. We honor them by taking care of them. By taking care of them. In many cases, the roles begin to reverse and the sons and daughters become the caretaker. 1 Timothy 5, 3-4 through says, Take care of any widow who has no one else to take care of her. But if she has children and grandchildren their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. We need to affirm our parents. We need to honor them. It is a key to pleasing God. Is it a key? It's a key to writing our society and restoring the moral fabric of who we are, and it's a key for you to live in the destiny and the promise that God has for your life. I don't want to gloss over it. I want to take a second and speak directly to some of you for whom this is a problem. I'm thankful, by the way, for those of you who closed your eyes earlier and the Lord brought to mind happy and joyful memories. Grateful times. Times of thankfulness. But I want to speak directly to those of you for whom this is a problem. Those of you for whom the thought of your parents brings to mind pain, unforgiveness, abuse, ungodly harm, or shame. Maybe just confusion. Maybe for some of you it's traces of regret. And I want to acknowledge that this morning. I don't want to gloss over it. I don't want to dismiss your pain. I don't want to treat it lightly with Christian bumper sticker platitudes. I do not want to pretend that my words this morning will make all of that go away. I do not want to say it's trivial. I do not want to say put it in your past. I do not. What I do want to say is this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that your home was not a safe place for you. I'm sorry that it was not a safe place for you to explore your freedom. It was not a safe place where you could live and love in grace and in Christ. I acknowledge you this morning. I see you, my brother. And I see you, my sister. And I do understand And I am so very sorry for you. Most importantly, Jesus sees you this morning. And he was there in the midst of it. Every harsh word said in anger. Every backhand, the abuse. He did not stop it, but he did put his arms around you. And he did and still is willing to love you through it. So, what would Jesus have us do if our focus is finding Jesus in these commandments? What would Jesus have us do? Well, if honor means treating your mother and father, or at least their position with respect, then the first part is simply acknowledging that I can do that because they are sons and daughters of the King. They didn't act like it to me, they didn't live like it to me. They don't even know they are, but they are. So, Lord, at the very least, in my pain, and in my anger and in my shame, I, don't, I, I can't even bring it to my lips to bless them this morning, but I acknowledge to you, Lord, that they are yours. So I give them back to you. I acknowledge they are sons and daughters. The second part of it is acknowledging that God used them at the very least to make you. If that's the only good thing they did, they did it. You see, God had a unique purpose for you to be uniquely you, and it took their unique seed and their unique egg and their unique background and their unique demographics and their unique DNA to make you, you. So at the very least, I can say, Lord, I thank you that I am who I am in you. And Lord, I don't bless them. You know the pain I have, but I thank you that you used my parents to make me, me, and that I am unique in you with my own gifting. And my own special DNA, that I was formed in the womb. Children, I want to tell you that you bring something personal to the promises of God that are unique just for you. God is not asking us to excuse their flaws or their hurtful behavior. He is not asking you to say that it's all right, because it is not all right. And He's not saying that you need to point or put your adult self into harmful or unsafe situations without proper emotional and physical boundaries. He's not asking you to deny it, to suppress it, to excuse it, and he's not asking you to ignore it. God doesn't want you to fake it, but he does want you to face it. And as your pastor, I want to say this. If the promises of God are directly tied to your ability to honor your father or mother, then this morning I want to hold your hand and I want to say to you, at the very least, can you acknowledge they are sons and daughters of God, and I respect that position. And they uniquely made me me, and I can thank the Lord for that, if only for that. If we're looking for Jesus in the Scriptures, then we know this to be true. We need to forgive Him. Now, that doesn't mean that we ignore it or excuse it. It doesn't even mean we have to go put ourselves back in the midst of it. It simply means we give them back to God. God, you know what happened, and so I give them to you. I don't hold it anymore. Here they are. We trust Jesus in the Ten Commandments. Now I want you to know something. The Bible gives a strong warning. Jesus will address it. God will have his day with them. Luke 17 tells us, It would be better for you to have a millstone tied to your neck and be thrown into the sea than have hurt or caused one of my little ones to stumble. Give them back to the Lord. Let him take care of his sons and daughters. That's not your mess to clean up. It's that serious to him. So if we give Jesus these hurt and these memories and this pain, and yes, even the responsibility of judging them, because if you don't have to look back in judgment anymore, you walk forward in freedom. But looking back in judgment is like sitting in a rocking chair expecting to go somewhere. Okay, you're going to be tied to your past. You were made by God you're his. And without you, you can say this to, the, to your parents, to that memory, to those things. Without you, I would not be uniquely me. And for those two things alone, I acknowledge it and I move forward. Because if we don't, we'll never be able to fully honor anything else or anybody else. Any other place in authority in our lives will always be impacted. No matter how much we think we've gotten over it, if we have any of that stuff left, it will shade and color Your ability to see authority appropriately, to see other mothers and fathers appropriately. It will shade and color your ability to honor your neighbor, to honor the unchurched Joe and Mary that walk in our door. Because you'll always be seeing someone who doesn't know the Lord and because that they must act a certain way or there must be pain and hurt there. Our pain and unforgiveness will keep us from entering into true unity and community with anybody else. And that includes our spouses, our future spouses, our own kids, those closest to us. If we've not yet forgiven our parents, I promise you, whether you know it or not, it is spilling into every relationship you have in both ways, obvious and very subtle. Your unforgiveness or bitterness will always hold you back from completely entering into the fullness or promise of God. But the reason God started here, when we pivoted in the Ten Commandments and said, now let's talk about how to love your neighbor as yourself. And let's start right here. The reason God started here. Because if we can do this with those closest to us, those in our homes, those who could potentially hurt us the most, then we can do it with anybody. To honor our father and our mother is a commandment, not a suggestion. And it does not come with small print or disclaimers. And if you're struggling with it, I want you to know that I understand and I love you. So let's get some help and let's get through it together. If you need counseling this morning, let us help you as a church. We have resources. If you need prayer this morning, we're going to take some time later to do that. And I realize I'm only speaking for a moment here to this segment, that many of you have fantastic and great relationships. And I would say to you this, spill that onto the people around you. Spill that onto the people around you around you. I want to see you step into the fullness of all that God has promised for you. So we honor our fathers and mothers. And lastly, I want to say this as a church. A part of our ethos here at LifeStream, a part of who we are, a part of our DNA as a church, is that we value every son and daughter of the kingdom. And we honor our church fathers and mothers by being intentional about joining the generation that's who we want to be. We believe that God is a God of covenant, and more specifically, generational covenant. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those three generations. You have often heard me say that we believe our children are not the future of the church, but they are an essential and vital part of the church today. But hear me also when I say that our spiritual elders, our spiritual fathers and mothers, are also an essential part of Lifespring today. And we want to cultivate a culture that honors and joins Abraham's, Isaac's, and Jacob's. A couple of verses that I'm going to walk through really quickly, just so you know I'm not on a limb by myself. Matthew 22, Jesus replied, But about the resurrection of the dead, Have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Psalm 145 tells us one generation shall command your works to another and he shall declare your mighty acts. And I want to say this to the fathers and mothers in the room. That is is an encouragement for you this morning. That is a commission to command to the next generation the works and acts of the Lord. Malachi 4.6 reminds us that he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers it goes on to say or the land will be smited with a curse. First Timothy tells us never speak harshly to an older man. But appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with all the purity that you would your own sisters. And John 19 tells us that when Jesus, therefore, saw his mother, one of his final words. Now get this. Does Jesus, do we want to see Jesus in these commandments? Well, what does Jesus say about taking care of our fathers and mothers? Get this. One of his final acts on the cross. He saw the disciple whom he loved standing by, and he said to him, Woman, behold your son. He was commissioning his own mother, Mary, to be taken care of by his brother, the disciple that he loved. Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. If we were to find Jesus in the fifth commandment, I'd say it's this. We need to develop in our church a culture of honor. We need to develop in our homes a culture of honor that honors sons and daughters for being children of the King even before they know it. And even if they ever act like it or not. Because He still loves them. He still rejoices over them. He still grieves over them. And He still calls them His own. And so should we. Now as the worship team comes back up, I want to do something a little unique this morning. First of all, um, Jesse and Debbie Mendoza are going to be up here for prayer. And if the Lord and the Holy Spirit are speaking to you in any way this morning, I want to invite you to not jump out of here today. But please take a moment and let the Holy Spirit continue to do what He wants to do and receive prayer from them as they come forward. But I also want to address this joining of the generations and developing a culture of honor here at LifeSpring. And I want to do it this way. I want to speak to the Abrahams, the Isaacs, and the Jacobs. If you are under the age of 30, I would like you to stand for a moment. Now, many of them are even back in our classes, and that's okay. But if you're under the age of 30, I would like you to stand for a moment. And I want to say this to you. I want to say to you, and I want you in the crowd to look around. I want you to make eye contact. I'm going to ask you, by the way, that before this afternoon is over, that you will reach out to at least one person in one of the other generations. And you will say, I see you. I bless you. Okay? I want you to be intentional about it. I want you to grab their hand and say, remember Pastor Wayne said we were supposed to do this, so I'm doing it today. I want to reach out to you. So to this generation under 30, I want to say this. We want to be a church that honors our younger generation for being full of awe and wonder. You are uniquely gifted in what you do. God is calling your generation to something it did not call my generation to. And you know what that means? I won't always understand it. And for the times I don't, I'm sorry. But I will not stand in your way. I will be the wind in your wings. I will be the fuel that guides you and burns you and pushes you towards all that God has for you. God is calling us, even when we don't understand, to raise and honor. The Lord says that you are arrows in our quiver and you are an unquestionable blessing. And so to you, I want to say, blessing, blessing, blessing. Go ahead and sit. For those that are 30 to 50, would you stand with me today? For those 30... To 50, would you stand with me today? We want to be a church that honors the middle generation for being youthful and full of zeal. God has given you freedom to seek your uniqueness and gifting and envision and providing guidance and unconditional love and wisdom along the way. As you explore your independence, I want to remind you to use it for interdependence, that you are uniquely gifted but also called to be in unity in community. I want you to know this, that our goal, if you will trust us, is to raise you, continue raising you in the ways of the Lord so that you will always have a safe place to come back to and that you will not depart in it. And along the way, I want to say to you this, we are willing to relinquish our authority as the time unfolds because in this generation is when you'll begin to take it. And that's hard for some of us. And I want to tell you that we're committed to it. Because we trust you to the Lord. And for the times that you use that authority and make mistakes in leadership, I want to say this. It's okay. We're not going to pull back. We're not going to put you away in a room and say you, shot, you had your shot. We're going, to, we're going to dust you off. We're going to love you. And we're going to send you out again. Because we've been there. And I want to say to you this, the generation behind you that stood up a moment ago needs you. I can't hold their hand anymore. I can hold yours, but you have to hold theirs. And you can't hold their hands and be strong unless you're holding mine. Because we need to link together. I want you to know that you will always find grace and love in this place. You may be seated. And those of us who want to join me, In the Plus 50 Club, would you please stand? 52 last week, baby. 52 last week and loving every minute of it. I want to say to you this. We have not always cared well for you. Please forgive us. We want to honor the senior generation in our midst. You have fought battles we will never know of. And because you've won them, we've walked on paths of victory that we didn't even know were paths of victory. We didn't know any better. Because you've lived out your unique calling while you helped to launch us towards ours, we will honor you with high regard as parents that are truly grand. We will continue to look to you and receive from you your mentoring. And the times that we did not receive it, I want to say to you, we are sorry. Forgive us and help us. We want to be open. To those of you who are seated, I want to say this. If you are not linked with somebody standing, you need to be. They have something to offer you that you don't even imagine right now at your age. Look around. Bless them before this afternoon is over. Take a hand. Meet with one of them. Meet with one of them regularly. You want to succeed in life? These people are still here and still going for it. They've got something to give. And I want to say to you standing, we receive from you the mentoring, the mothering, and the fathering for all the journey that you still have left ahead. We value you. We honor you as mothers and fathers in the house. You may be seated. LifeSpring, do we want to find Jesus in these commandments? Then I tell you this. Honor your mother and father. Show them gratitude and appreciation. And where there's pain, address it. Come get prayer this morning. Where there's pain, let's deal with it so we can walk out the fullness of what God has for us. And let's be intentional in this house about linking our Abrahams, our Isaacs, and our Jacobs because Jesus wants to cultivate at Lifespring a culture of honor. Amen? Amen.